Thank you for tuning in to the Restaurant Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, TK. Today, I've got a very special guest, Miss April Rousey. April comes um, with us with a, almost a decade of leadership experience now. Um, she's worked for a couple of really high high name brands. Uh, she currently is a general manager for one of the fastest growing concepts here in the United States. And um, she's one of my really just favorite people overall. So thanks for uh, being on the show, April. What an intro. <laughs> but thank you. It feels uh, like I'm getting older thinking I've been in the restaurant industry for almost a decade. <laughs> I know so it's, it's pretty wild to think about, huh? <laughs> yes, it has flown by. It absolutely has. Um, you know, April and I worked together back in the day. I think it was like 2018 to 2020 or so, something like that. Um, April was my operations manager. And whenever I left um, that location to go open up the Central Arkansas location, uh, I more or less just kind of pushed her into the general manager role. Uh, she was super happy as my operations manager. But, you know, April, I saw a lot of... Um, promise and I saw a lot of success in your future. And it's obvious now that you're doing awesome because you're still in the same role, kicking some yeah. serious butt. How has the, uh, how has the last, what has it been? Three years as a general manager now? How has that been years, for you? Yes. <laughs> it has been one of the most challenging and rewarding opportunities of my life. Um, I think in taking over, during COVID was a learning experience for sure. It was something that nobody really knew a lot about. And so you pushed, you pushed hard. <laughs> I was a little unsure, but confident enough um, that I could lead a group of people. And we led through some of the hardest times and then had to relearn after COVID kind of ended what it really meant to truly run a restaurant without so many limitations and without such strict, um, unknowing culture to suddenly now we're going back to what everybody knows. And it was, again, challenging, but rewarding. I found so much strength within myself by being put through situations that I had never heard of. There were no mentors that had ever gone through it because COVID was such a unique time. And so to be in a new role during a unique time, while trying to relate and empathize with all of my crew members that were coming into new roles themselves. It was, I think, such a learning moment where it was, you know, you need to step up and lead where even when you don't know 100% what's going on, they trust you to lead them and to know that you are doing the best of your ability to lead them somewhere where you're all going to be successful and knowing that you care about them and they're going to work so hard for you during a time where you're just doing the best that you can. It was incredible. Um, and I wouldn't have changed it for the world. You hit it right on the head. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I kind of did forget you did just take over in the middle of all the craziness. Um, that's wild. And, um, I was reading a quote this morning, um, and it said through adversity, uh, man finds his true self and obviously you're a woman. And I think it's very applicable here too. You know, you've, you've been put through the worst and you're still kicking and standing strong. And, um, you know, I stopped by your location sometimes and it's so cool to, to see that the culture is still there. You know, people are still, they're just people and they're just yes. having a good time and slinging some chicken and, yes. you know, <laughs> and when I see people have fun at work, especially, 
you know, at a fast casual and fast food location. It, it really speaks volumes to just the culture that you, you've been kept, kept going this whole time. And, um, yeah, anyways, um, great stuff. I'd like to really dive more into kind of who you are and really what led you to where you're at today. So, um, you know, if you'd like, just describe to my listeners, what's the journey been like uh, from the beginning to where you're at now for April Rousey? It started off really simple. Um, I started a retail job when I was 17 years old. Wasn't really sure what I was doing. And I enjoyed it to an extent. And after about a year, I decided, you know, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't what I want to do. And so when I was thinking about applying for a different job in order to get myself through college, I said, what seems like something that I would enjoy doing? What is my favorite thing in the world and how can I make a job around it? And at the time, you know, I was 18 years old and I said, my favorite thing in the entire world is macaroni and cheese. And it's my favorite thing to eat while I study for college. So what can I do to get me closer to macaroni and cheese, which is one of the funniest questions I think I've ever asked myself. And I looked at restaurants near me. I found a restaurant. It had my favorite macaroni and cheese. And I said, not only do I get to work in an environment where I could get a discount on my macaroni and cheese meal that I eat every day anyway, but everyone there had smiles on their faces. And I'd never once had a bad experience there. And I said, man, I really want to know what they do. Like, I want to know what they do. I want to know how I can do that. And I want to be the best at it. And so I applied for the position. I got the position. I ate more macaroni and cheese in that year than I think I've ever had in my life. And I fell in love with the business. Um, I fell in love with the way the general manager ran his business. I loved the fast environment. I was extraordinarily self-motivated to do the very best that I could because it made the macaroni and cheese taste more rewarding. And that was initially how it all started. And 10 years later, um, being a general manager and getting to watch other future potential, you know, um, people come in for interviews, which I know was really going to be a big topic today, but watch them come in and being able to even ask them, Hey, do you remember your very first experience eating here? It was a question that you asked me in one of my interviews. And it was my favorite question that you asked me <laughs> because I remember everywhere I've ever worked. I remember the experience that I had the first time I ever ate there. So the very first restaurant I worked in, I was like, man, the first time I ever came here, it was the macaroni and cheese. And then now the restaurant that I work at, I remember the very first time I ever ate here. My current operations manager, he has a great story for the very first time he ever ate there. And it's one of my favorite questions to talk about and ask because I know that that's what started me on my journey into what is now a decade later of restaurant experience. That yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that mac and cheese story. That's cool. I've known you for like <laughs> seven years. That's awesome. I learned something new today about you. That's really cool. Um, I do remember that question, and I still ask that question uh, to this day when I do interviews. You know, what was that first visit like at this restaurant? Or and and really, people, you know, they don't remember the details, super big details, but they do remember that feeling that they mm -hmm. felt. And, you know, a few episodes, uh, I think it was like six or seven episodes before this, I talked about why orientation is so important and onboarding is so important because people will remember that first impression and that first experience. Yours was, you remember that they had amazing mac and cheese and you're a mac and cheese lover. Um, you know, most people, 
especially the younger, you know, generation, especially if it's their first job, they, they really want to work at a place that they feel good at as a customer because they know they're going to feel good as, as an employee. So, um, yes. one of my favorite things, April, and I, I'm, I'm sure yours is as well is hiring people for their first job. For me, that's like, that's the biggest honor in my opinion. Yes. Because Absolutely. you can show them what work is supposed to be like, right? It doesn't have to be all these horror stories about people yelling at you and demeaning you and, you know, making you feel less than dirt. It's about uplifting and having fun and making friends. And, you know, it's really cool. I've seen more friendships be made um, between employees and anywhere else, really, in my life. Um, and I know you've seen this. I've seen couples get together and now they're married. Like it's really, really yes. cool. Yours actually too, right? Call I was going to say that would be mine as well. <laughs> we oh, aren't, awesome. aren't married just yet, but um, right. we are getting engaged in November. And we're very excited. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, so diving more into interviews, I'd like to hear a little bit more about, you know, what are some of your key questions that you ask to decide if somebody is really going to click in with your team or they're not, what are some things that you do in the interview to decide on that? Sure. So a lot of times when I go into an interview, one of the number one things that I'm looking for is a positive attitude. Um, there are a lot of times when you ask more, even basic questions, the way that they respond, their nonverbal communication, the way that they have this outlook on like, is it, is it positive? Because ultimately having a positive attitude you can do so much with that. Um, ha but having a positive attitude, looking for sort of some self-motivation qualities, um, a lot of things that I ask are very simple, and I just wait to hear what their response is. Um, sometimes I even ask questions like, that seems silly. My favorite question to ask has always been, if you could be an animal, what would you be and why? And the biggest reason I ask that question is because I want to know if they get excited over something, something small, something simple that they have the opportunity to do so much with. Um, so like with that question, you get so many, it's a variety of answers and ultimately it doesn't matter what the answer is. What matters is the way that they responded to a fun question. Um, interviews are supposed to be not only really determining whether or not it's the right candidate for your business, but they're also a customer as well. So you want the interaction to be positive on your end because you want them to return as a customer if you don't decide to proceed forward with them but if they do approach these with a very positive attitude, chances are they're going to be a lot more coachable on the job. And so especially if it's somebody looking for their first job ever, you know, they're probably a little nervous. So asking them a question to see if you can kind of pull them out of their shell a little bit and see how they respond to these new situations and if they can do it with a positive attitude. It's going to give you an insight into how coachable they're going to be. Um, and especially on first jobs, because they are typically a lot more coachable on leadership and communication skills in a restaurant. Um, it gives you the ability to kind of look inside their their minds and see how, how are they going to respond, you know, to possible coaching later during their development. And then how can you keep that atmosphere positive as well in case they are going to be returning as a customer? You want them to still always live with a good experience. Um, but that nonverbal communication, man, it's so important. Um, you know, how closed off are they? Are they, do they look happy to be there? Ultimately, the person that you see in an interview is going to be the, their best version of themselves. And so if someone is the best version of themselves, but they talk very negatively about their life or they talk negatively about the atmosphere or environment around them in their home life, 
they're probably just looking for somewhere to get away from their home life. And are they going to be open to coachability options? Are they going to be able to be trained and developed in the way that you're looking to improve your team? Every single person you bring in affects the culture of your restaurant. So also having the culture in your mind, you know, knowing your culture, like the back of your hand is so important because every single person you bring in affects that culture, whether you have 30 crew members or 70 crew members, one person can make such a difference. Absolutely. Uh, holy crap. You hit a head on a lot of things that I like to preach about too. Um, I got one of those is from you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, I don't give myself enough credit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, you know, so funny because over the years, um, me going, you know, I've been in, I was in an area role before I met you and then now I am after, um, and now the area that I cover is, is quite large and my interviews have gotten a little less more of the cliche. What do you want to be in five years? And I've really just started turning my whole interview into breaking down that barrier because you're right. People will come into interviews with their best self, but the question is, is it their real self, right? Because you're going to be spending hours, I mean, more time with them than you will your own family. And asking those questions, it will, it will throw a wrench in the script that they've probably read a million times in front of the mirror before they came into that, into that interview. And so you're really to break down that wall and really take a peek at kind of who they truly are and, you're right. You know, if they come into uh, the interview as their best self and they're negative, imagine what they are when they're not their best self. <laughs> not good. Um, a key thing that I like to do as well is uh, I almost never greet interviews at the door. I let them come up to the register, or come up to the host stand now and say, hey, I'm here for an interview with Tyler. And then I like to get the feedback from the host or from the cashier. Like, hey, what do you think? Do you think they would make a good crew member you think they would make a good cook like and um i mean your, your people are going to tell you what's up like if they think they're whack they're going to say hey don't hire the dude <laughs> yes <laughs> i've, I've seen that quite a few times i've definitely had a cashiers come back and say "Ooh, you have an interview here and they just look like i'm so sorry and i'm like i i can read the room i get it but i'm gonna go out there and leave this person my best self see what they have to say um, you know, give them any benefit of the doubt, but I'm also going to look and really say, what does their body language say? And in what manner did they approach, you know, inside mm -hmm. the restaurant? Um, having those check-in moments before the interview, before they even walk in their room is, is awesome. But then having them walk to the cashier, man, I haven't really, I didn't even think about that this morning, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And, and, and take it with a grain of salt, you know, because maybe that cashier might be in a bad day or whatever, but definitely take into account because if you're, if they're going to, they're going to work with them more than you as a manager, you know what I mean? So like Absolutely. they will let you know if someone's going to work out or not. Um, cool. Well, let's, let's pivot a little bit onto people. You know, I'd like to, I like to hover around that topic of people because it's our job 95% of the time. The other 5% is literally staring at a computer screen. Um, doing mundane tasks. <laughs> Hopefully you've delegated that a lot to uh, your operations manager. Hopefully you learned from the best there. Delegation Daddy, is important. I did learn from the best there. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that topic with delegation, it's still, delegation is such a hard thing to teach, especially if you're the one that is being delegated to. Um, a lot of people aren't able to kind of see that long-term return, especially when it comes to tasks that they know they can do better themselves, right? Something that I'm struggling, not strictly, well, yeah, I'm kind of struggling with right now in my role is I have a GM who uh, does not want to delegate 
tasks. Um, so she's working 75, 80 hours a week when the other GMs are working 50 and um, she's getting burnt out. And this is a constant cycle. What are some tips from you that you use to delegate uh, some of your tasks? What is that barrier you had to go past in order to get to that point? So I think my struggle personally was very similar. It sounds similar. I had a lot of tasks and a lot of ownership that I knew if I gave them to somebody else, they would put their own spin on it. And a lot of it was from coming into the restaurant and working under you. Um, You did such a good job saying, you know what, here's the job. I know you can do it. And I watched the restaurant change, not drastically, but you could feel the little culture changes, the little changes, because I was the one staffing. I was the one making the schedule. Um, being in control of people's lives is such a learning process. And you watched me make mistakes and you didn't pick me up. And so when I had an operations manager and I gave him these tasks, immediately I said, oh no, the culture is going to change. The These little things here are going to change. He's not going to do it exactly as I did. And I felt this need that I was losing control of my restaurant when, in fact, I needed to take a step back and say, hey, this is okay. It is okay that it changes. It's okay that he takes ownership of these items. It's okay if it's a little different because ultimately the product is the same. Their product quality is the same. And what matters is how my customers feel. What are they telling me? Um, Are we still giving them the same quality of experience? And if that is the same, then does it truly matter if the culture of the kitchen changes just a little bit? And so when I I called him in and I promoted him up and I said, hey, this is, I'm going to give this to you and I am going to give you every tool that I can find to help you be successful. And so I sat down for a long time and I came up with a, actually specifically on interviews, I came up with a list of my favorite questions and wrote down why I liked them and what I was looking for. Um, I had him sit down with me and then we would recap the conversation later. Same thing with orientation. When we looked at numbers, I can say, hey, this is how we can look at the long-term goals of this. You know, this is how we can measure goals. This is how we measure success. My job is now mostly looking at all of these numbers and determining what that success looks like, as well as coming through my own restaurant and as much of a stranger as you can (laughs) at your own restaurant, um, looking at cameras, you know, and really knowing that it's not, it's still my restaurant. I am accountable for all of this, but letting him have that little bit of freedom to make those little bit of culture adjustments and to bring on people and watch him make mistakes. It was very hard at first. But being able to step back and watch him learn and grow has been just as rewarding as if I had been the one that hired all those people. Oh, oh and so there you go. <laughs> my camera walked to the side. Um, so being able to watch him go through the same process, make the same mistakes or similar mistakes and watch him reap those rewards. Once I realized that it was going to be just as rewarding to watch him grow and seeing that the culture change didn't necessarily make anything worse and being able to have the ability to read the numbers, look at the metrics, um, get feedback from those new crew members, and then continue to develop him. All it did for me was allow me to be closer to my people, actually. So rather than necessarily losing the control that I felt like I was losing, that was so hard. It was heartbreaking. I spent nights... I mean, sitting in my bed crying, thinking I was losing my restaurant because he was doing such a good job. 
only to realize that all the extra time that I was spending on those items was extra time that I could give back to my people and I could work side by side with them and get their opinions, get their story while teaching them standards or correcting them or coaching them in these little places. Ultimately, I was able to step into a role where I can be this, this positive person in my restaurant where I can go around and just get to know these people and develop them and continue to go on and use that time that I would have spent doing interviews, would have spent doing orientations and putting it back in my people or back into the community, which was so rewarding and it made me realize, hey, I don't have to be in control. I'm just here to help support and give these people the time back that I wouldn't have given them otherwise. Yeah, I think a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, I think a lot of people really uh, are in that same mindset. You know, they they don't want to lose that control because they feel like it'll all just kind of come crumbling down when in fact, it's not the case. I mean, you have more time, you know, there's a there's this quote that I, I think about often, it's work on your business and not in your business. And when you're a GM, you don't, especially if you're not great at delegating, you don't understand what that means. You think, oh, I'm just going to clock in, run my shift. I'm going to do the inventory on this day. I'm going to do the truck orders on this day. I'm going to do the, you know, they, you don't have time to be strategic. You don't have time to breathe and you don't have time to look at your business and get to know your people a hundred percent. I think once you reach that point, which is where you're at now, um, you start really reaping the benefits of being a GM and being a people changer and a people coacher and uh, a community driver. And it's really, this is the fun part about being a GM. This is, you've already been through all the shit. You've already waded your way through the swamp. uh, And now you're here. You get to actually be a general manager and get to be a community leader and a face for your restaurant. So that's really cool. That's awesome. And, and that GM actually listens to my show. So I hope she hears this and gets a lot from it because (laughs) you can do it. It's tough. It is. It's It's one of the biggest challenges, especially for new GMs. They just can't do even 10 year GMs. Some of them, they just, they don't want to let go of that because they're not willing to spend the time and the energy to develop the other people and the build your pipeline. Because eventually there's going to come to a point April where you're ready to, you know, move on and move up or, you know, hopefully wherever you, you want, you tend to go with your career and you can't do that until you have a pipeline of people ready to take over. Absolutely. That was one of the biggest changes I think for us is when I sat down at first and promoted this new person, I said, okay, I have to give some things up. And it was a fight. It took me about a year to start truly delegating. And now it is, it feels like such a privilege to sit down and say, I'm getting engaged in November and I'm having, I have a second kid on the way. And I don't think two years ago I could have done this. I could have made these personal life changes. I would have been panicking thinking, how do I have time to do this? How do I have time to raise a family? How do I have time to run a household? Whereas now I can think I can be here and do all these things and still know what's going on in my restaurant at the same time, because I know that I trained that operations manager below me to do the job, not only correctly, but to do it with integrity. And I know he's going to do the very best he can. We're in con- like continuous, continuous words <laughs> or continuous communication. Um, I know that I have his full trust. He knows that I've got his back and having that relationship with your direct, you know, your operations manager, your, your assistant manager, your AGM, whatever it may be, having that relationship that is, trustworthy, it blooms, it has integrity, it's honest, 
having that relationship is so key to being able to not only bloom in this restaurant industry, but also give you the ability to have a life outside of work and know that everything is going okay. Absolutely. Um, something you talked about, consistent communication, having that relationship. Um, again, it's something that I feel, and I've seen a lot of people just kind of look over as if it's not the most important thing you need to focus on. Uh, it absolutely is. And if anybody uh, that is listening or will listen to this in the future or you want to really excel your career and break that single unit restaurant point, if you want to get into area management or if you want to get into corporate or whatever your end goal is, you have to get that down first. You have to communicate and you have to build that relationship. And a lot of people get into the restaurants um, thinking that just because it's a low barrier of entry, because it is, you know, you don't need a, a degree to be a GM or to be an area director or to be a VP. Like you just need the experience and you need to know how to, how to operate people. <laughs> you can, you can make chicken, you can make mac and cheese, you can make eggs and bacon, but it's very, very difficult to operate people. Um, and on that point, when it comes to your people, um, you mentioned building those relationships after you delegated all of those tasks. What are some things you do in your routines that help you build those relationships with your people? I actually just recently had a conversation with one of my restaurant managers and it was a little bit tough. It was not an easy conversation, but they, I mean, she has worked for me for over a year and a half now. And one of the things that I told her is sometimes we forget about how important that people aspect is. We get so caught up in the constant changes that we kind of lose some of those basics. And because we had lost some of those basics somewhere along the way, she was struggling. And so when I was talking with her in this one-on-one, -on -one, I think the very first thing that you need to do is understand and make a point in your relationship with your managers, whether they're newly promoted or they've been in position for a year and a half, to say thank you for what you do. I'm so happy you're here. And again, positivity goes so far. And having their trust is difficult to earn sometimes, but being able to have those check-in moments just regularly that aren't necessarily scheduled, but when they come in for their shift, say, hey, how are you doing today? Is your cat doing okay? <laughs> Have you, you know, how's your, how's your personal life going? How are you doing with your boyfriend? Are y'all doing okay? Awesome. Are you ready to run a great shift tonight? Great. And having those check-in moments at the beginning when you see them and then saying bye when they leave or doing one small task that takes less than five minutes, but improves their shift. It earns their trust. They know that you have their back. And not only that, but when you do have to have more difficult conversations, it makes it a lot easier because they know that you're doing this for their development, their development and their benefit. So when I did have to sit down and have that conversation with her, she knew that I wasn't coming from this place of anger or micromanagement or I'm just really upset with you and now I'm going to yell at you about it. You know, she knew that I was coming from a place of love because I want her to succeed. I'm not having a conversation with her because I think, oh, she's ruining my restaurant. I'm having a conversation with her because I know that she can do so much better. She has so much more potential. And so we're going to work to get there. And I'm here to support her, which is going to make her more motivated to actually achieve these goals rather than me coming in and berating her. 
And when you have these little relationships, and even when I talk to them about their relationships, ultimately, my relationships with my crew members is, you know, I'm there every day, but I'm not always in the restaurant every day. Or maybe I'm busy in the office and I have 500 emails to answer and I'm not able to spend a ton of time with them. But my restaurant managers, that's their direct manager who they work with every single day. So ultimately, my biggest development for people needs to go to my leaders and ensuring that they know how to lead. Do they have the tools to be successful? And do they know how important that people piece is? So when I spoke with her, something that I told her was we have to continuously demonstrate respect. How often are you truly saying please and thank you to your people when they do even simple tasks that are part of their job? It's easy to say, well, why would I want to ask them to do something and then say please and thank you when they should have already been doing it anyway because it's their job? Well, it's because it's important. It's important to respect what they do because ultimately if they didn't do it, you would have to do it, right? <laughs> or somebody else would have to do That's it. That's right. And then it gets frustrating. You shouldn't, you're not getting paid. My crew members aren't getting paid to work more than one position at a time. If someone's not doing their work, they should not only step up, but also if you say please and thank you, it goes a long way. And it respects them for what they do because ultimately you're not having to do that. You're not the one taking the orders. They are. So if you're saying, hey, could you please run up there and do this simple task that it may be part of their job, but you say it with a respect for what they're doing, they're going to take a little bit more pride in what they're doing. And if you instill that in your restaurant managers, then not only when you have conversations with them, do they trust that you are wanting them to succeed and to do better, but then too, are they going to turn it around to their people? And I told her, I said, if you want to make a difference, when everybody comes in for their shift, take the two seconds it takes out of whatever you're doing to stop and say, hey, I'm so glad you're here today. Thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate that you're here. And then when they leave, I don't care if you are getting absolutely slammed, you had three buses pull on the parking lot, you're just getting absolutely wrecked. And then homegirl who's working cashier says, hey, I was off at 9 p.m. I've got to go home and get homework done. Do you think in that moment that rolling your eyes and saying, yes, okay, I guess you can leave while we're getting smacked is the right thing to do? Is it the easy thing to do? Yes, <laughs> you're getting smacked. Do you really want them to leave? Probably not. But if they're unable to stay, don't hold it against them. Take a moment, take a step back and say, hey, you know what? I get it. That's totally fine. You were scheduled off at nine. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your night. And thank you so much for your hard work today. That is going to be what they remember. They're not going to remember most of the shift. They're going to remember the mm -hmm. last thing that you said to them on their way out of the door. So yep. do you want their last impression of that restaurant shift that they went in and they worked their butt off? but they needed to get off at nine, which was their scheduled off time anyways. Are they going to leave and say, man, that was a really hard shift. And I made my restaurant manager upset because I needed to leave on time because I had homework to do. Or then they say, man, that was a really tough shift, but it's over with, it's done. They're doing okay. And Haley said, thank you for your hard work today. And I feel really appreciated at work. And that lasting impression, that, that last thing you say to them is what they're going to go home remembering. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Holy crap. Um, you're right. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, that last thing saying hello to everybody. Um, I would like to add just, you know, we get into the habit of, you know, Hey, how was your day? And then not really being present in that quick moment. I'm a very big, uh, that's my problem is I tend to go fast and think about the next step. And something that I've personally been working on when I enter restaurants is literally zoning in and just focusing on that person for those five seconds. Hey, Sandra, mm -hmm. I hope, you, hope your day has been great. Um, 
tell me one great thing about your life that I've missed in the last week, you know, cause I see restaurants typically on a weekly basis and I've seen that really just excel in terms of people's outlook on me because when they see even a GM walk into a restaurant, like, Oh, April's here. Like, even if they love you, like to the ends of the earth, they're like April's here. Let's tighten up a little bit more, you know, <laughs> a um, little bit. It, <laughs> it's good. That means they have a lot of respect for you. Um, and it happens even more, uh, you know, when you get up into higher management as well, you know, like, oh, the district manager's here. Jason's here. Chill out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. As those are words that I've said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, because people will not remember that what happened throughout the ship. They'll remember that very last moment, because that, that first impression sets the tone. That last impression sets the tone until the next time you see them. So if you roll your eyes and you you don't understand that they're a person and they have mm -hmm. stuff to do. Um, they're not going to be a cashier for your restaurant for the rest of their life. So no, it's not as important as your role is. And yes, you may have had three or four buses pull up. They have homework to do. And by not respecting their time, they're going to end up resenting you and not respecting your time. And then all of a sudden you have a turnover problem because yes. you have an eye rolling problem. <laughs> um, and that's something that I've broken down a lot in the last few brands that I've worked for is that barrier of I'm a manager and I'm better than you. So you should listen to me. Um, and that's really why I started this podcast. April is because I was tired of seeing stuff like that because it's so rampant. Even now in 2023, like, why are people treating their employees like dirt when they can just go down next door and make $3 more an hour than you? Um, which leads me to my next question, you know, relationships, building those strong bonds between your employees. Um, at the end of the day, the work is hard. It's very difficult, um, not difficult, but it is very exhausting. Cleaning out those filter pans are not fun no. um, <laughs> at all. Uh, and being a GM and in, in a position of power and saying, you know what, today I've got the filter pans. It definitely goes a really long way and it doesn't take you but like 10, 15 minutes. But anyways, my end question on this is how do you help curb retention, uh, help curb turnover with the fact that people can go down the street and, you know, work that Monday through Friday job and make 20 bucks an hour. What are some things that you do in your restaurant to combat that? So a lot of times I have these conversations initially with crew members um, pretty early on. It's those early, early check-ins where sometimes it seems like, man, this work is exhausting. It's very fast paced. I have to do a lot. I go home and I'm really tired. Um, and so being able to say, that's all true. I get it. <laughs> I go home after my day. I'm also very tired. And yes, you can go down to this big box store and make $3 more an hour. But when is, when is the last time, if you talk to any of your friends who work at those big box stores, how do they enjoy their job? Do their managers care about them? Um, so having those check-ins, not only early on, but those, especially like later high school, younger college crew members, they talk to their friends. They talk to their friends nonstop. I can tell you in the last, actually, I can tell you probably three of the last five crew members that I had think that the grass was green on the other side came back and apologized and said, you know what? I'm so sorry. I did not realize how just absolutely mundane those jobs were. I was bored. I was tired. The managers didn't care. They were so strict and it was difficult. And getting feedback like that is 
you and you you know you wish you they didn't leave in the first place but <laughs> you know you're, you're just kind of like i told you so <laughs> um but also promoting and knowing i will have absolutely open and honest communication with my crew members to from the 16 year old that has their very first job to the 19 year old who is a sophomore in college balancing out hours in school um you know typically when i hire a new crew member I'll even tell them, I, you know, I get it. You probably aren't coming in here looking for my job. You're probably coming in here because you just need money for school. You need money um, to go hang out with your friends, to go to the movies. And one thing that we're going to do is understand that, you know, this may not be your career choice like it was mine, but in every, in any and every career that you could possibly go into, there are some key leadership components that you need. Communication, leadership skills. These are applicable to any career field. And I absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that the crew member that comes in on day one and then the crew member, that same crew member that comes in after they've been here for six months, it's a different person. It's a different crew member. It's a different skill set that they have that they're able to move out of the restaurant with. We also have a lot of development opportunities that just go a long way when managers care. And you can see that in a crew member's development. And sometimes I'll even invite over a crew member I have a crew member that I <laughs> I hired four and a half years ago. Um, I will have him come over and I will say, hey, this is one of my crew members that when I hired them, he was 17. Uh, he could barely put butter on bread to make toast. It was tough. It was very difficult. Um, it has been four and a half years. He's about to graduate college. He's going out and looking for jobs and he would not recognize this crew member. His skill set has just come miles. It's incredible. And not only is it rewarding for us to be able to say, hey, we got to help them grow and develop and we got to give them these tools. Now I'm giving him letters of recommendation. But I also look at that 16-year-old crew member that, that came in last week for an interview. And when it was going really well, you know, they mentioned that they had other interviews. And I said, let me introduce you to, to this crew member over here. Let me show you what it means to work here. Let me show you what it means to have managers that care. Because this is not the, this is somebody who looked like you when I hired them. And it just goes miles when you have crew members with more tenure that's, that can attest to how much they grew in the time period and say it wasn't even necessarily about the money. We got raises as we went along, but it was having fun and working hard and being in an environment that you felt cared for. When an emergency popped up and I went and spoke with April, she didn't bat an eye to take me off the schedule that day because she knew that I needed that day off to go take care of this. And there was no repercussions. There was no retaliation. She just truly cared. And having a crew member that's been there for a week versus a crew member that's been there for six months or a crew member that's been there for four or five years, having them be able to attest to their continued development, I think that's that goes so much more and goes so, so much further than saying I stocked shelves for two years and it was overnight and I saw my manager twice a day. Uh, you're very passionate about that. Do you feel like that is one of the reasons you have stayed in the restaurant leadership career field uh, is developing your people into better people? Absolutely. It's really cool, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Wait until like three years when you're like pumping gas at Walmart and they stop you and they're this completely successful person who runs their own business or is a, a, a G in their field. Like it's, I'm, yeah, I get goosebumps because it's so, you're just so proud, you know, that you were a part of their journey 
And you were just so proud that they took even just one thing from you and they made their life so much better. It just makes, it makes life worth it for the restaurant manager. And it helps you see past all that bullshit because there's a lot. (laughs) Uh, a lot. (laughs) And what people don't tell you is the higher you get up, really the more political it gets, unfortunately. Um, Restaurants, um, everywhere, retail, um, business. I mean, anywhere you look, when you start getting to store manager and up, it becomes a little more political than Mm -hmm. most people are comfortable with. How have you found ways to navigate that, that field? And I know you haven't seen a whole lot as a GM, but it is, it's pretty prominent even when you get to that level. I will say I've been, what is the right word? I have been lucky enough to, in the restaurant that I'm at, almost every single other general manager in my area, as well as my, my boss and well, our shared boss, We've had a relation, the same relationship since I started. We've all been there. I think I'm at, I'm one. Of, I'm beginning to be one of the more tenured general managers in the area, but not by much. We are all very, very close. We were all very closely hired around the same time. Uh, my training general manager is now my boss, so I've had a relationship with him since I started with the company. Um, where it's a very close knit, tight group of people, and one thing that has worked very well personally for me is that having a boss who watched you when you were first training as an operations manager and trying the best you could is that he knows he's known without a shadow of a doubt that what matters the most to me and my work ethic is integrity. And I think that's something that he doesn't have to question, which has been very nice because I don't, I'm I'm not very good at playing politics if I'm honest, but I am very good at holding myself to an honest and integral business. And I do the very best I can to put my extra time, my free time into the people in the community. And not only does that reflect my metrics, it reflects also in my people. You know, every single time somebody new walks in or somebody higher up walks in, um, my crew member is actually, you would you would be so surprised. I mean, you would actually be surprised by this. There is no more panic. <laughs> it is confidence. And my crew members have confidence because they're very proud of what they do. And I am very proud of what I do. And so knowing that I work with integrity, knowing that my crew members do the very best that they can to also uphold the same integrity that I hold them to, it means that when one customer walks in versus my boss walking in, it almost doesn't make as much of a difference other than maybe we clean the small things a little bit more today. Um, but having that that confidence and integrity has really allowed me to say, you know what? I'm not very good at playing politics, but I know my business and my metrics reflect the passion that I have, which I think goes as far as if I were really good at playing politics because I'm not hiding anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's, an, that's a perfect answer. That was the answer I was looking for. And I knew you'd answer it that way. Integrity and confidence is everything. And a lot of people worry about that political part, partly because it catches them off guard. Um, me personally, it caught me off guard a little bit back when I, uh, was a DM for firehouse subs. And I, of course I was, I think I was like 20 before I can buy <laughs> alcohol. So I was like, Holy crap. I had no idea that, uh, yeah, it was this bad, but you're right. If you just show your work and have integrity, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Your dumpsters could be clean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Um, but as long as you just make sure the guests are happy and the team is happy. What more can you ask for, you know? Um, 
April, I really don't have any other um, questions for you. We are kind of ending, nearing the end of our time. Uh, do you have any final words for the uh, people out there that are listening to us today? I mean, I think we about covered all of it. I, I could emphasize again how much it is so important to build those relationships with your people. Ultimately, the restaurant business, it is very difficult to balance a personal life and work life. It just is. And the people you see struggle with it. I see people struggle with it. I ask for advice all the time in that area because I'm not even the best at it. But it's incredible how those built relationships with your people that start at the interview. It starts when they walk in the door for an interview all the way down the road. Those relationships, the impacts that you make, and the trust that you built with them not only is going to give you a little bit of that personal life back, but it's going to allow your restaurant to bloom. And it's incredible. And it all starts with that very first meeting. Last thing for you guys, that personal time, work time. I found it's much easier whenever you stop. The harder you try to separate those two, the harder it seems to achieve. And yes, your system's have to be in place, your people, you've got to trust them, you've got to delegate appropriately, but there's a certain uh, mix that you have to just be okay with, right? Like you're never going to, if you're a restaurant GM, more than likely there's not going to be a time where you have like a week off and not somebody calls you, right? Um, people are going to call you right at close whenever they can't figure out a computer issue, right? <laughs> like that is technically your personal time. So I think having that core understanding of, Hey, I'm, I'm a salary manager. It doesn't mean I have to work hundred hours a week, but if my people need me, it's my responsibility to be there for it. And people tend to forget that little part and they think, Oh, just cause they keep getting phone calls at nine o'clock, their people suck. And all of a sudden their personal life is no longer a thing. When in reality, you just got to take a step back and look at the situation and figure out a solution. So, Hey, great stuff, April. I, again, I really appreciate you coming on today and, and speaking to the thousands of people that are listening to this. Um, I hope you have a beautiful day and I hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, April. Appreciate it. <laughs> Bye.